And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 166 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. Hey, Brian. How are you, sir? I am all right. How are you? I am here. Yeah. 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 Just incredibly busy for me at work the last few weeks. So Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had anything on fire in the last week, so I'm taking that as a win. Well, some days, I, like, that's all you can wish for. It's yeah. like, yay, nothing's burning. Yeah. I mean, metaphorically. No, I understand. Yeah, right, Although right. my parents did manage to set their grill on fire yesterday, so... Oh, well, okay. They left it on and forgot about it. Yeah, okay. That yeah. It's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Um, the kind of fire you don't want a grill to be on. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, you know, certain kinds of fires are okay with grills, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this one's gas. Okay. And uh, you probably want a very controlled fire, and I think control was not what they achieved in this case. Un- un- understood, yeah. Yes. Um, you know, descending from order into chaos, like Justice League Dark, number 12. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, we got, some, uh, we got some new peoples here, don't we? We do, or at least some new versions of existing people. Yeah, the new Lords of Chaos. Yes. Yeah, this was, uh, this was actually pretty darn cool, I thought. I did too, I was an issue or two behind on this and had to do a little catching up so oh, that actually probably worked really well reading it all together it did actually yeah yeah uh i, I got I see that i got the confrontation between wonder woman and zatanna and mordrew mm-hmm. and the fight with the lords of order all in one go and that's a nice way to read it actually indeed i like uh I, yeah I, I like these alternate versions of some of these I mean, the Wonder Woman's, like, a fairly predictable, nothing too crazy. The Zatanna, like, looks cool, that's all. But, like, the, the Bobo and the yeah. and the Man Bat, like, that was super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, after talking to Mordrum, Zatanna and Wonder Woman are persuaded that perhaps the best way to fight order is with chaos. If the rules of magic are arbitrary and made up and not working for our heroes, maybe we can just discard the rules and make our own rules. Yeah, I like... I liked the 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 way they worked that in with that remembered conversation between Diana and Bruce. Yes. Yeah, that worked really well to give you the exposition you needed without making it feel like just too heavy-handed. Yeah. Because they were able to split it up across, but interspersed, right? Right. So you kind of didn't get that huge dump at one, all at one time well, about I'm... how literally you know there are some of the magicians in in the DC universe that are so powerful that literally it's just their own decision to not destroy and recreate everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that as a framing device as well, because so much of this issue in particular is ensemble that building that moment in a single issue of rather than Zatanna piecing things back together, Diana doing it Mm -hmm. is helped by that framing device. Like it feels like a natural conclusion to that. And as a result to what's going on, 
now, even though it's a little out of left field if you just take the present day one. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I'm 100% with you on that one. Yeah. Um, and also the Lords of Order are jerks. Aren't they, though? Like... I mean, it's like authoritarianism is somehow bad. Mm. <laughs> Because authoritarianism is bad. <laughs> Correct. And that's what I think is... And you know what? Maybe maybe his assistant does kind of... Naboo's assistant does kind of hint at this. About Are you talking how, about Khalid? Yeah, about Khalid. How order doesn't have to be bad, yeah. right? But the way they're choosing to now implement it, this authoritarianism is. Yeah, I mean, order for order's own sake right. helps nobody, really, except the people who have designed the system to benefit from. <laughs> yeah. Um, and those people always exist because someone always has to design the system and no one's going to design a system that doesn't, doesn't benefit, benefit them. them. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you don't get into the position of designing systems without a healthy amount of ego. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and we both laugh because we both know what we do as day jobs. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Um, but no, I like this so, so much. This is still, I think, even outside of the bigger picture of what's going on in all of the Justice League books after No Justice, like, this is such an excellent Justice League book that I think, on its own, really holds up well. There are, you know, the occasional ties back into larger continuity, but, like, sure. as a self-contained thing, I think this is just an excellent run so far, and I don't see that changing. I agree, and I, I like that you don't have to be reading other books to to read this yes yeah um i mean we had that little bit of crossover with wonder woman but yeah, other than okay that, right yeah yeah you don't have to know everything that's going on in the entire correct DC universe for yes and you yeah and like you don't have to actually be reading wonder Woman. yeah you pick up those two issues because they're part of that story but right. you don't have to know everything else that's going on it right yeah, yeah. Um, i like it i have been duly deputized for this segment however to uh take us to Jenna conspiracy corner jenna's conspiracy corner because in this issue these issues we get into the uh the idea that perhaps chaos is is a necessary thing to break down order but brian do you know where else we saw that this week um in doctor strange oh i was gonna say yeah uh, yeah yeah spoken as someone with no power at all you fear chaos you always have what you've never understood is that the collapse of order is an energy all its own and it will be mine <laughs> so somewhere uh glowy striped head guy dormammu dormammu thank you mm -hmm. somewhere dormammu is like gleeful about what is going on in justice league dark <laughs> yes <laughs> and then, well, I was going to say, and you've got this big battle between uh, order and chaos. Maybe Galactus just shows up and eats them all. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Maybe Galactus takes the place of that dead uh, uh, celestial or whatever. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Which one was the one they killed? It was the mystery one, right? Uh, yes. That was the one that came to Earth because of the tree. Uh, the one wonder. Wonder. Yeah. Wonder. Yeah. Maybe Galactus is the new wonder. Uh, they're not celestials. What are they? They're Eat not I want, now. I want to say Eternals. It's no, they not are Celestials. They are so they're no. dark Celestials. No, I don't. I don't mm, thought they were called something else. Whatever. Anyway, whoever they are. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. At any I rate, think, I think Celestials is a Marvel thing. Also, I think uh, I think so too. But I feel like these got called. I feel like this was one of the things that kicked off Jenna's conspiracy corner. I don't know. At any rate, um, yeah. Galactus can be the new Wonder Celestial. <laughs> And then the Wonder Twins can come and see him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Him and the Wonder Twins and Wonder Woman. Yeah. Right. 
<sighs> anyway, yes, Jenna's Conspiracy Corner. Somewhere Dormammu is pleased with Mordred's work. Indeed. Mordru's work, not Mordred's work. Mordru, right, yeah. M- Mordred, which is a different... I mean, let's be honest, they could be the same person. <laughs> yeah. It could all be some elaborate ruse. Speaking of elaborate ruses, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman number 73, The History of Dimension Kai. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, this was, uh, not what I was expecting. I read the last one and this one together. Yeah. Um, and I was not expecting this to be what it was. Well, I believe this one was also a guest writer. It was? Yeah, it was Steve Orlando? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Which, you know, I was like, oh, but then I read it and I was like, okay, for what this story was, it was the right place to have a guest writer. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... it's. I can see how that one issue of Wonder Woman that I pulled out of Logbox Book Report that was like part six of eight <laughs> of a series of three miniseries yes. that tied into each other and mm-hmm. crossed over with a bigger line-wide thing. Yeah. Fits into this. <laughs> there you go. But as someone who beyond that lacks any context, and arguably that is a sliver of context, yeah, a splinter of context. I was, I was, it's exactly what I was going to say, more like a splinter. It is because it hurt a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It is one atom of context. I got gotcha. you. Uh, I, I see what you did there. Yes. And this provides a full mole of context. <laughs> wow. Okay, dork. <laughs> Stand in for Gen 2. We'll take turns. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and I think this was actually a really effective way to do that. I do too. And I, I, I get the feeling that whatever story we're about to hear coming up probably requires this context. Yeah. I mean, it, it at the very end teases the return of the Amazons. Right. And it makes the argument that this place could not exist if they were gone. Right. So... But then you get the question of, is it Diana's Amazons, or do they just mean these Amazons? Well, I mean, I think that is a question. Has... I Explicitly, she says, like, this could not exist without my mother. Right. But is this Dimension Kai thing a two-way street? Could it exist just on the life of the inhabitants, if they continue to exist? Or if Hippolyta and other Amazons from Diana's world escaped into Dimension Kai, could they hold it open? Um, Could it all be an elaborate ruse? (laughs) No, it couldn't be that. Never that. Yes, it could. Where's Admiral Oh, wait, yes, it could. No! Like I said, I I actually enjoyed this. I I, I was hesitant going in just because I mean I'm just because I'm enjoying the the main story so much. Yeah. But uh, but no, I was I was perfectly fine reading this to get that history and backstory and context. Me too. Yeah. All right. I read a book called Canto this week. Have you heard oh, anything about this, Brian? I have not. I want to bring up one more thing about Wonder oh, yeah. Woman, though. And that okay. was from the previous kind of issues or what led them to here, yeah. right? Where they had to go through the, the dark kind of corridor or passageway or whatever to get yeah. to this place. Are, are you thinking that was the labyrinth? Um, I think it was certainly a possibility. I don't. Okay, I mean the that fact that, that, that there's a giant know. minotaur in there is kind of yeah. A... I mean that that's a pretty good indication. <laughs> and they've established that the labyrinth can lead to many, many different places as well. Yeah. So okay. Anyway, I think it. it is. I think it is certainly possible. Yeah. Um, barring David Bowie showing up, we may never know for sure. This, but you could be true. Assume. Right. All right. So Canto, you were telling me about Canto. Canto. Yes, I read yeah. a book called. Canto this week. Do you know anything about this, Brian? I know nothing about Canto. 
This is a first for me. I knew nothing about this book and saw it on the cover of Comic Shop News. And I was like, oh, that art is very pretty. I need to look up and see what this is. What? I this know. Is so, that's so not you. It's so not me. Um, I don't know how this one slipped past me. And the funny thing is, after that, like, I saw stuff about it everywhere online. Like, as soon as that dropped, like, uh, uh, the guy who does uh panel by panel started mm-hmm. tweeting about it a bunch and other people i follow started tweeting about it a bunch the first issue sold out at the publisher at the printer distributor level there's the word wow let me drink more coffee it sold out at the distributor level like three weeks ago wow uh, and here is the most buck wild part of this it is an all ages book oh holy cow it- those are not usually big instant sellers like that no um this is about i mean some of them should be but yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes uh so this is framed as a fairy tale um both in narrative device and just kind of in in what seems to be the the plot structure of it it is about this world where robots are born it born with hearts and the ruling power class takes out their hearts and replaces them with clocks and uses them as nameless slave labor oh they cannot no have allegory there okay keep yeah. going <laughs> they don't get names they can't take out, take out their hearts and use okay nope keep going um they cannot form emotional attachments to anybody they have a certain amount of time and when that time runs out they are scrapped for parts um and if they step out of line then you know they just get basically savaged by the owners and there are a couple of these robots who like kind of know how to fix each other if they can but otherwise it's the junk heap for them um and there is one robot who has been given a name and his name is kanto and he doesn't really care about the rules or any of that so he like if someone dies he'll try to stick them off and give them a burial and there are these monsters roaming the woods but like he knows which ones are chill and will leave him alone and like giant wolf kinds of things he's like no this is the old one with one eye he knows we're not food he's not gonna mess with us don't worry (laughs) um and then like the the robot who's like you could read it as romantic you could read it as platonic but like the robot who is probably the person he cares about the most ends up someone calls him by name and she ends up taking the blame for naming him and he has to go out and try to find someone who can repair her before she runs out of time Um, And it is framed inside of, like, he would tell her stories about nights and... Hang on a second. I have to go unplug my fire or my smoke detector. Okay. So it's framed with Kanto telling his friend stories about, like, kids who wanted to be knights fighting evil and saving people and all of that. Uh, I mean, it's it's on paper kind of a very basic sort of idea, Mm -hmm. but it's well written. And the art is just absolutely beautiful. Uh, I am sure it will get another printing as early as it sold, sold out. Yeah. So if you get a chance, I'd, I'd recommend it. It's five issues, I think. Okay. This I, I, I was gonna say what I might I might do is just do this in trade then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful though. Right. That reminds me of something. What does that remind me of? No, that's gorgeous. I can I can see why the art drew you in though. Yeah. Like. Yeah. 
that was 100% it's just like well this is so well designed and colored that I need to at least know what it is and why I haven't seen it until now yeah very cool yeah alright another thing I'm going to ramble at you about uh-huh. is Marilyn Manor okay which is a new Magdalene Visaggio book mm-hmm. that somehow slipped by us last week when we were talking about things that were coming out this week that we were excited for this is set in the 80s about the first daughter okay who is the child of the president and marilyn monroe (laughs) okay and who is let's just say very rebellious I, i mean i wouldn't expect nothing less from a mags book come on yeah um her best friend is possessed by the ghost of Abraham Lincoln after a seance gone wrong. (laughs) And Marilyn decides that while her parents are in Asia for a political uh, summit, that she wants to throw the wildest party in the White House because Abe tells her, you know, what happens in the White House is, is, is basically sets the tone for what happens in the country, not in a thematic way but in a very literal like there's some magic there this is a a hallowed place and what happens there will happen everywhere okay so it's like a voodoo house yeah basically (laughs) yeah um and then proceeds to help well Marilyn finds the secret passageway but abe confirms that oh yeah that was put there after the war of 1812 you mean the one behind the bust of i think it's madison yeah (laughs) it is and how old is, is is this daughter? I mean, she's getting ready to start college, so... Okay, alright, so, yeah, end of high school. Yeah. Yeah. I assume it's college. It's a college name. I guess it could be some boarding school, but she's, yeah. we'll say, mid to late teens. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. So it wants to throw just a wild party, and the deputy chief of staff, who has been left in charge of the White House, is basically the uh, Elmer Fudd to her Bugs Bunny. Got it. Yeah. It is so much fun. <laughs> I think I, I guess I was looking at solicitations and saw something. Maybe it was for number three or something. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, "How? Did, what is this? And how did I not see it before?" Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Marilyn and Abe find JFK and Marilyn Monroe's secret uh, bedroom in a passageway, mm-hmm. and it's like this giant heart-shaped bed. <laughs> so, like the fifties honeymoon suite. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's so much fun. Wow. Yeah. All right. How about a very serious book, Spider-Man Annual Number 1? This is, this is probably the most seriously, uh, animal comic I have read this week. I mean, to be fair, we joke, (laughs) but the backup of Peter Peter Parker and Howard the Duck having existential crisis in a diner is, is... It goes somewhere. While there's a literal crisis going on outside. Yes. Yes. Uh, this was fun, though. Uh, yeah, this this also has my uh, my quote of the week. Brian's quote of the week. Which, it's a, it's in a panel where there's a, 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 a cat who is panhandling on the street. He's like, bless you, Spider-Gwen, you're a gift to the world. No, 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 I'm just a bird who loves her drumsticks. But it's his sign that, that is the actual quote, which is, Will purr for cuddles. <laughs> yes. It's very good. I liked it. Oh, this is... Good God. Like, they literally tell you at the beginning, see if you can find all the puns. Yeah. And send us, send us a, send us an email and, and you can win a no prize. Yeah. Yes. I was particularly fond of Sand Manatee in that one background shot. <laughs> yes. 
And uh, the, let's see, the diligence of the New York police dog apartment. Yes. Yeah. And Hamhattan. Yes. I mean, like, it just doesn't stop. It is just one after another, after yeah. another, after another, after another. And we get a cameo from Mooster Fantastic. Oh, yes, indeed. Ugh, it was, it was, yeah. And um, do they, uh, Bucky Barnes Horseman? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Oh, Dr. Doom God. shows up. No Galactopus, though. I didn't see Galactopus in here anywhere. I did not see Galactopus. Um, I did see... Um, there was some sort of Dr. Octopus something. Yeah. But I couldn't tell exactly what it was. Um, we do also get... Um, we do also get Parkman, Park, Parker Peterman. Yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, I so wanted them when he got there. To do something like, um, uh, yes, I'm carving this duck for my wife because it's a, it's made of a exclusive mahogany wood fashioned from the <laughs> arboreal regions, of, <laughs> like the J. Peterman catalog. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, the the essential story of this is the Mad Hatter uh, is loose on Peter Porker's world and hypnotizes a whole bunch of uh, of his of Spider of Spider Ham's rogues gallery, including the Green Gobbler, including the Green Gobbler. Yes, and actually, that's Bo- probably the Hob the Bodaga Bandit. <laughs> I died when they had the Bodog <laughs> Bandit. Oh my god. You're the worst. <laughs> and let's see, who was, oh, uh, Kong Pen? Yes. Yeah, we have Kong Pen. And yeah, just the goofiness of who all the different characters are is enough. This is by far the the, the most one-shottiest one-shot this week. Yeah. I mean, or in a while. <laughs> we meet J. Jonah but, Jackal, Batty yeah. Brandt, and Captain Gene DeWolf. Uh-huh. But it, it, it's just, it's just stupid. Stupid, dumb fun, and yeah. I loved it. I loved it. It was, it was, it was, it was great. Apparently, um, Jason Latour is going to try to get more of this made. Oh, that would be that'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, I like <laughs> the other thing I liked is he was like, "Oh, there's too many of them all concentrated here. We can't defeat them all. Uh, can you use your your watch to you know go between dimensions and split them all up?" So she's like, "Why did you want to do that?" He was like, "Well, because now they'll be easier to catch in small groups. Plus." Uh, now we're sitting on a franchise. Gotta catch them all. (laughs) (laughs) And they do like little chibi variant illustrations of some of them. It was like, wow. Yeah. Too much. And then we have basically a uh, Samuel Beckett play. (laughs) Are you talking about the uh, the backup? Yeah. Yeah. Which was written by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who did Mm Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a secret roar rages. Yes. (laughs) And it's all of the it's all of the uh it's all of the heroes who are goofy and slapstick and funny or not fun but like like fun like like spite like peter porker is goofy and fun right yeah um against all of the ones who take themselves too seriously yeah that's the, those are the battle lines that are drawn <laughs> let's see i i have in here uh mouse marvel mm-hmm. and there's another good one i caught just a second ago oh dear devil dear devil <laughs> wow uh <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, I could just sit here trying to come up with with as many of these as I could. There are very many of them. Yeah, well, and and then there's the then there's the newspaper that Howard's reading. Burrito with, and with Hobbs. Burrito and Hogs, yes, which is yeah. Calvin and Hobbs. <laughs> yes. And every time it reboots, Burrito and Hogs change. Yes. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, there's Dear Devil. I see I see yeah. Dear Devil now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Dear Devil might be my favorite. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's uh... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Oh, okay. I, that's the much like this one one issue of this in a month is enough. <laughs> but it's but it's an, but it is enough. Like I want it. Yeah. But yeah. All right. All right. War of the Realms time. Oh, back to the serious real crossover. Yes. Yes. Uh, there are only eight War of the Realms books to talk about oh this my week. God. Well. However, this is it. No, yes. like, it this is the yeah. This Other is than the... the Omega that sets up right. status quos, and I think there's one more unbeatable Squirrel Girl that ties in. Okay, just because like the Squirrel Girl folks decided to do a whole three issue arc yeah. in her book, and so yeah, but, yeah. yeah. So let's start with not War of the Realms, and yeah, because we'll... that kind of wraps everything up. Everything kind of leads to that. Other than maybe Thor. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah, that's fair. Avengers number twenty mm-hmm. is really truly more like. Like a, a a Hulk case study, a Jennifer Walters case study. Okay. Then straight up just War of the Realm. I mean, it's against that backdrop, but it's very much about the way that the Hulk has changed for her, the way that she has changed, how she sees herself because of it, and how she operates in the world because of it, and kind of how she comes to terms with people see her and are scared rather than see her and like act like she's got it easy and maybe she's okay with that after all well yeah i mean for uh, the vast majority of she hulk's existence right mm-hmm. i mean jennifer walters was always she hulk for the most and like she hulk was a supermodel yeah. like i mean she was this gorgeous huge statuesque beauty right yeah yeah and everybody and like she had her full intelligence and you know speech and all of that and everybody treated her like yeah there's no downside to this why wouldn't you want to be hulk like if you go into some of some of the previous she hulk stuff like there are multiple arcs in there that are like why would i ever be Jin if i can always be she hulk right yeah um i think dan slot is the one who did a good deal with that in his run yeah and that really really changed the biggest change in that was in the series right after uh bruce got killed mm-hmm. in um civil war yeah and or civil war 2 i can't remember yeah which one it was. civil yeah. war 2 civil war 2 um and she and, and it was the series t- just titled hulk yeah where she lost control and was like this gray hulking like what we think of as hulk monsters right yeah creature and yeah and that really Really, really changed, and now she is more in control, and that's part of what that series and, and and run deals with. She is more in control, yeah, but it's still not who she was, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think probably the biggest thing this issue does, like in terms of of overall picture, is it makes pretty clear that what Jin is dealing with in terms of being this kind of of more classically Hulk Hulk mm-hmm. is 
not related to what's going on in Immortal Hulk. This is about cosmic stuff and is about something bigger and her having this place in this war on the horizon rather than being... I mean, I don't know. I guess there's room for it to be part of what's going on in Immortal Hulk, in Immortal Hulk but it sounds like it is a separate thing. Yeah. It sounds like it is not that. So it wouldn't shock me... <clears throat> excuse me. It wouldn't shock me if... I mean, we've had, you know, the Civil War stuff. We've had, obviously, the Spider-Geddon stuff. We've had now War of the Realms, which is very clearly the kind of the Thor and his mythos, right? Are you we've expecting got Car- a Hulk apocalypse? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Well, you know, we've had, uh, we've got Carnage coming up, right? Um, it makes me wonder if maybe a year, a couple, year and a half out, if they're planning some sort of Hulk. Yeah, I... Maybe. I don't know. It feels right. like a strange pull if that is it. I don't think you're wrong. I don't. I mean, it, I, I, what I, you're saying I understand makes what you sense. mean by strange pull, though. It's but... a strange pull specifically because they have had to re Hulk and revive a bunch of Hulks. Mm-hmm. Basically, everyone who isn't Bruce or Jin to get to this point where they could do some kind of Hulk thing. The last Hulk run, I forget if it was while Mark Wade was writing it or if like Peter David maybe took over. Mm-hmm. But the last Hulk run, like specifically depowered every Hulk but Bruce and Jin. Okay, but look at what's happening in. You've got, uh, you got Amadeus Cho, who is now. Uh, um, Braun, uh, right? Who is still got his powers, but they're different. Yeah. Right? Uh, you've got um, uh, Betsy Ross, who now is a creature. Yeah. You've got Doc Sampson back. Yeah. You've got Sasquatch back. So it does seem like that's what kind of my point is. It does seem like they're powering up a lot of these yeah. people again. No, I think you're right, and I think that's that's. I guess what I'm saying is, if this is to build to some kind of Hulk apocalypse, mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird flex because it is creating a situation just to have the conflict. Oh, because comics never do that. <laughs> no, but doing it so quickly after inside of the Hulk book already depowering everyone. I guess I feel like there are too many creators with hands on the ball for this to it to be one big plan. Well, it, and that's kind of why I wonder if we're going st- to... I don't no, maybe yeah. maybe you're right um I, like, it, it I definitely think, is not something that could happen in six months right yeah it would take more time to get there and i think something self-contained inside of immortal hulk as this like horror thing makes sense to me but a line-wide event makes less sense well if you look at how they do spider geddon yeah or uh Car- carnage is going to be i think this way yeah right Th- there's really only one or two titles that get pulled into it and then they may do some one shots or some other little yeah. mini things. So. I mean, structurally they can do different things. That's... I mean, at this point we're just speculating so maybe yeah, it's, sure. it's, it's... No, don't do that with comics. And like, all truth be told, it might be in part that like, I'm enjoying Immortal Hulk right now and yeah. I probably tend to on average enjoy She-Hulk more than Hulk but broad strokes, I'm not a big like Hulk corner of the universe person. Yeah, that's fair. So... Maybe it's just as much like, okay, uh, it's not my thing, so I don't feel like it's a big deal. Yeah. It, it makes me wonder if that's thinking that Immortal Hulk is not going to be a, you know, a 20-year run, right? Yeah. That maybe that's what they're building as its finish. Yeah. I don't know. 
don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Um, we can, we can guess yeah, all day. Yeah, let's get back to War or of the Realms, because can... that's the one that we have to deal with. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Superior Spider-Man number eight continues the Doc Ock and West Coast Avengers team up, mm. in which they harness America Chavez's teleportation powers to go to Jotunheim and catch up with Cap and Spider-Man and Luke Cage and Iron Fist and Otto tries to tell them okay here's my plan it's better let's do this forget this Thor idiot Yeah, that goes over well, I'm sure. Yeah, it goes over great. Basically, Cap says, uh, Spidey, deal with your guy here. He's embarrassing you. <laughs> I, I know that I, I know that Otto loved that. I, meanwhile, Gwen's response is, no, you don't understand. This is a Thor event. We have to save him. Let them do their thing. Yeah. <laughs> um but don't you know how, don't you know how events work if we don't have thor we can't win exactly uh but at the end of the Turns day out if you don't have lots of them you can't win yeah at the end of the day uh gwyn teaches otto an important lesson that you are always the hero of your own story but sometimes you're a supporting character in someone else's story and it's okay to be that <laughs> I love how she metas the comic book tropes. I know. I do too. It's so good. It makes me so happy. Yes. Um, I'm going to skip Thor for a moment. We'll talk about it with War okay. of the Realms itself. Talk to me about New Agents of Atlas. Uh, so, yeah, this one uh, wraps up the New Agents of Atlas confrontation against uh, Cinder, uh, the, you know, the, the fire goblin queen. Yes. Do they, um, uh, do they return to Cinder? <laughs> nice actually yeah they do as a matter of fact awesome um and uh you know uh jimmy woo the head of uh atlas uh, Mm -hmm. pulls proves that he is a duplicitous spy just like you would expect him to be and uh we find out what he's been the, the the con that he's been running cool um and uh yeah they i mean this was its own little side story thing and if you read uh, very clearly a lot of this was in, to introduce some of these uh asian characters yeah. to uh you know into into the the western audience um and we're going to get a couple of books out of it, about i think about three books out of it yeah arrow and swordmaster and an agents of atlas and miniseries. agents of atlas right yeah. yeah um yeah and you know it's kind of a cool team i kind of cool. like it um in a way there's almost i think too many on the team right now yeah so but because i don't like mm, we'll see we'll see especially if arrow and Swordmaster kind of move off into their own thing mm-hmm. then at that point you're down to a number of characters i think you can really introduce and work with with them but yeah yeah i don't i don't dislike this group and i mean it's got silk in it which you know i love so, yeah yeah how about punisher um actually you know what um this i would highly recommend you read this whole thing one two three all together if you have not read it yet but this actually was one of the better side books to this War of the Realms thing. Yeah. It is completely its own self-contained thing. It does not tie in with any other books or stories. Um, And it is essentially, the whole thing is Frank uh, freeing a bunch of criminals to act as his uh, assistants Mm -hmm. in getting a hospital and its doctors and patients through the tunnel to New Jersey. Cool. And they literally, the, the 
prisoners literally act as fodder for the things coming up. And he's like, you know, if you can get us through, then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what happens then. And this, and you know, it's very typical Punisher at the, at the end. But, uh, I actually, I actually enjoyed this a lot. Cool. Are you yeah. going to read the Punisher miniseries that follows up for more of the realms after this? the kill crew? Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I'm still up in the air about it. It okay. probably, uh, it'll probably fall down to how many books I have that week. Fair. Valid. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. All too well. I'm not not interested in it. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Uncanny X-Men number three. We both read this one. All right. What'd you think? Um, I enjoyed this. For me, having this fall so outside of the timeline of Uncanny X-Men. Yeah. I don't think it necessarily works against it, but it, it adds a layer of having to kind of remember who's where and who's doing what and resolve those details. Right. And why, why, why isn't this person like this or... Or, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Right, right, The right. biggest issue for me, honestly, is Sunspot. Yeah. I, I think, and I think the easiest way to, to have resolved that would have been at some point to, like, have there be this, this conversation about Sunspot in the regular Uncanny book and let this answer those questions of what happened and why. Uh, that would have been a nice, um, kind of a nice little lever to show you exactly where it fit in. Yeah. 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 Um, because, like, okay. This by itself as a part of War of the Realms, I really dig. This as a part of Uncanny X-Men, which it's a separate piece of it, but it is the same writer. This feels more extraneous to the ongoing that it's related to than it does to the event that it's a part of. And that's a I, weird I totally balance. agree. It is more a part of War of the Realms than it is part of Uncanny yeah. X-Men. Yes, definitely. Because um, I'll be honest, like this, this, the fallout of this would I think be a really interesting thing to, to see. Well, yeah, go ahead. And I don't, I mean, at some point the answer is just at some level editorially like if you try to cram too much stuff in there it's going to get muddled. And maybe that was the call. But I kind of want to see like where does Danny go from here that's what i i don't think this is going to happen but i'll be honest what i would love more than anything to see because it sounds very much like they're going to pull her out of the valkyrie mythos yeah like she's not going to be a valkyrie anymore right i mean i would rather them double down on it yeah and her move actually out of the x-men book for a while and into the jane foster book that's exactly coming up, yeah and her be the like Jane turning to ask her things because she has been a Valkyrie. Yeah. But, like, she's still so new kind of at it. Yeah, like, she's no expert, but she's the best right, we've got. Right, right, exactly. And she'll be like, I I, I, I don't know. Or or her thinks she knows, so she gives an answer, and it turned out to be a mistake. You know, like, there's a lot that could be done with that. Yeah. I think. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I think, to me, like, I like this by itself, but as a piece of kind of everything that's going on, I really don't want it to just... This is the end. Yes. Well, and if you did that right, you could you could pull the whole sunspot as a spirit in Valhalla. Yeah. You know, still around to talk to Danny. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these characters too are characters who I don't have much attachment to, and this is like like Danny and Sunspot both. I they're just a knowledge gap for me more than anything. Oh like, yeah. Okay. 
I mean, I've never uh, read much with either of them. I mean, like literally from it, number one, New Mutants was you know, yeah, that was part of my jam. Um, I feel like this is a really good way to take someone like me who doesn't have kind of the historical attachment to them mm-hmm. and make them to give an on ramp into them. You know, um, like Sunspot showed up in some of Hickman's Avengers stuff, but that was such a such a dense cast, and his role was so kind of specifically, yeah, I'm gonna be a businessman that there wasn't necessarily a lot of on-ramp into really getting attached to him as as anything more than a member of this ensemble yeah I feel like kind of Danny gets used the same way in X-Men books but I would yeah I would agree with that uh, X-Men books I am yeah she hasn't she hasn't moved into her own real place in the books like magic has for instance yeah um and again like I've loved a lot of the x-men that has come out over the last few years I am loving uncanny I still cannot wait for hickman's run to start as hopefully kind of a a good jumping on point for redefining a lot of characters and giving yeah giving giving people who haven't been reading for 20 30 years a chance to get attached to some of these characters and and I I do get the feeling it's going to be a very ground level kind of thing where this is where you get in if you haven't been reading for you know mutants for however long yeah Yeah. i did a lot of getting catch up getting caught up on x-men grand design this week (laughs) and i have a theory about hickman's run now do you I do. All right. What if all of these alternate versions of X-Men who are popping up Mm -hmm. have walked through some other Siege Perilous and show up in the present? Mm. Because there's some kind of like plant doorway that keeps getting featured. That is a very viable... uh, Maybe it it grew, Brian, maybe it grew from a seed Perilous. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Or maybe it maybe it's what grew up and uh, from the from the decayed and destroyed Parliament of the Trees. <laughs> Jen's conspiracy corner. <laughs> uh, okay, into the meat of War of the Realms. War of the Realms number six and Thor number fourteen. Wow. Um. So I'll be honest. I assumed that everything that was not War of the Realms number six came before War of the Realms number six. So I started Thor fourteen first. Oops. Well, I mean. It doesn't day, not yeah yeah it, not the it, biggest oops yeah I it's say, kind of it's kind of actually at the same time I guess yeah I I basically wound up flipping back and forth between the two books and reading them like getting a bit of the ways into War of the Realms and then I'd read kind of up to that part of Thor and then I'd read a little further in War of the Realms and then I'd read the rest of Thor and I feel like that pretty much worked I could have I would have appreciated an editor's note at the beginning be like hey just read this after War of the Realms number six okay thanks bye yeah I it just complete blind luck i happened to do that yeah because i was reading in reverse alphabetical order this week (laughs) (laughs) so so i got to war of the realms before i got to thor yeah and then remembered oh wait this was a war of the realms tie-in oh well i guess i'll read it now oh hey cool it actually worked out better this way um i think it probably works better that way if you don't want to flip back and forth between two yeah yeah um the beginning of both is is basically the same thing from a couple of different perspectives and that is thor who has present day thor right present day odinson Mm -hmm. who has given his eye while nailed to the world tree in In exchange for knowledge present day thor odinson decides i'm gonna get together a team but the only people who can get through this barrier without killing my parents are thors so i'm gonna pull together a team of thors (laughs) so he pulls together the same team of thors that he assembled to fight the god butcher Mm -hmm. plus 
Jane Foster. Plus Jane. I will say, um, I was, that was a very clever way that they pulled her into this as Thor. Uh Uh-huh. But, but gave a very plausible and reasonable reason why she is only Thor for this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it does, uh, I mean, we'll get into it in a minute, but like, it also does kind of set up her new status quo too. It does, but it it also solves the problem of what's going to happen to this hammer, right? Yeah. Yeah. How do you solve a problem like Mjolnir? <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. Did you have any doubt that by the end of this, Mjolnir would be back for Odinson? No, none at all. There yeah, was okay. no way. Yeah, yeah, right. No way that didn't like resolve. That, like, that's almost the purpose of this event, right? I mean... <laughs> and it's not, in, I get that, but... Well, like, <laughs> I think the purpose of this event is to... And I've read basically the entire Jason Aaron Thor run. There mm-hmm. are a couple of little gaps where I've switched I switched to trade. I started in floppies and I switched to trade and like went back to floppies and there's like a small gap that still exists in the middle. Um but the promise of this run started with here is past, present, and future Thor. And we have always seen that the story ends for Thor with Thor as Allfather. Mm-hmm. With the metal arm right. and Mjolnir and one eye and, and three, three daughters. Um, which I feel like that should be some sort of War of the Realms t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but to me, if that is kind of the promise of of where Thor ends, War of the Realms is about transforming him into that. Well, very clearly. Both right? the run as a whole and War of the Realms specifically, because what we see is over the course of this whole run, mm-hmm. the present day Thor that we know, worthy son of Odin, doing the Thor thing in the Thor way. And we see him knocked back to an unworthy Thor like the past Thor. Right. And we see him become worthy again here in basically the exact same moment as we see in Thor 14 that young Thor first wields Mjolnir. Yeah, I did. I did catch that. Um, it's basically that, that basically have almost simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. That they both become worthy again, but the older Thor realizing that worthy has nothing to do really with worthy. Yeah. Because I'm still in, in that sense, I'm still unworthy. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean the best line of this book is I'm the God of the unworthy. Yes. Right. Which is, I think, an amazing way to recontextualize him, especially kind of as we've seen future King Thor throughout Aaron's run. Yep, uh, I agree. So, I mean, you say, you know, this whole thing's about bringing the hammer back, but I think in a very specific way, it is about, like, yeah. kind of once and for all, he has learned his lesson. Well, right. And when I say bringing the hammer back, that I really meant kind of the context of all that goes with that, yeah. right? Him becoming, quote, worthy again, or or at least having that epiphany moment. Right? Yeah. Yes. Which also also transforms him into Allfather. Yeah. The Allfather. Yeah. He is now Thor Allfather. Not, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's a very cool, it's a very cool moment in a lot of ways. Agreed. Yeah, I, I am super excited about what this is going to allow future stories in the Thor mythos to be. Yeah. But I think the thing we're seeing here in the comics... <laughs> And in the movies as well is there is, I think the most viable future for Thor is expanding him past this kind of like medieval mythological hero figure Mm -hmm. to being an anchor of a larger world. I mean, in the context of of the Marvel movies, that's we get Valkyrie and we see Valkyrie take a chance to lead and we have more of an ensemble feel in Thor movies. In the comics, we see his daughters and we see Jane 
take out Thor and we see Jane take up Valkyrie. We see it, kind of this development beyond just like, hey, we're three dudes who like to fight sometimes and will occasionally show up as comic relief or it, whatever it, happened to Sith. This kind of. sounds a very dry, goofy way of putting it, but it, 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 I mean, but the metaphor makes sense. It's almost like he's moving into management. Yeah, I mean, where he's not going to be, where he doesn't have to do all the day to day, and it allows opportunities for other people to step up and do different things. Well, it's it's or or if you want to take it a slightly different route, that's still I think very on the nose. Uh, when you talk about a TV show like The West Wing, or I remember they talked about this with Remember Las Vegas with James Caan. Uh huh. The way those shows were always described by their showrunners was these are family dramas these are family comedies these are we treat our cast as bartlett is the father and leo is the mother or sometimes vice versa you know james Caan is the father to this like dysfunctional family of his adopted kids basically Mm -hmm. um and that that kind of like i mean he's literally becoming the all-father but that kind of role of thor as advisor thor as the person who's been there but thor as not the only thing holding this whole corner together right is probably a more sustainable way to have this be a whole corner agreed Uh, yes completely well and i think it's gonna i'll be honest one of the two of the people that i'm most interested to see where they move to from here are odin and freya yeah yeah i mean can we have a six issue miniseries that is odin and freya trying to retire to florida The other thing I want to see is I want to see now that he's all father, I want to see Thor coming to him and asking for a promotion to like God of Murder or something. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Um Hey, question for you. Uh-huh. When Daredevil threw the sword into Laufey's mouth, did you know how that was gonna end up? Because as soon as that happened, I'm like, oh yeah. Um you know what? I yes and no. So it didn't occur to me immediately, but but it was but it did occur to me before the reveal. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Was it something you ate? <laughs> beautiful cannot wait for the new loki book which i'm super uh, i want to see his reaction to thor now being all father also yeah yeah well and it's it's i mean okay you want to get into kind of parallel building cole borson is also dead now and that puts loki in the cole borson role Uh uh-huh so yes in in terms of like the mythology of it they both get kind of the parallel promotion they both they both inherit their new positions kind of so to speak Yeah. yeah brother to and yeah the all-father yeah all right anything else war of the realms no i thought this was a fantastic event i did too. I, I, i've got nothing super negative to say about this i am very curious to see like I, i'm excited for the omega issue and kind of seeing how it bridges yeah. the gap to what's next um but and i think i think that's mostly one of the things that i i say why this was a successful event yeah. right is it's changing something yes and and that is what an event should do yeah yeah but it's it's both changing something and it's changing something in a way that is not this is where events lose me yes is when it just breaks a status quo yep but it doesn't put anything new in place right yeah yeah um the fact that this does not just like leave all of asgard shattered and who knows what will happen Mm -hmm. is what makes this payoff yeah like we've got we've got a new all father right yeah we've got uh loki filling back and going to fill this kind of role we've got a valkyrie that 
that we know is going to be here. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. All right. X-Men Grand Design, Extinction, number two. This is the end of X-Men Grand Design. Mm -hmm. I read basically all of Second Genesis and, not basically, I read all of Second Genesis and Extinction this week. Yeah, I've got, I I did not read them. I have them to read. Yeah. (laughs) That's going to be a chore. My goal was to get caught up to talk about this issue because I love this series and I think it is genius. I really do. And I am both sad that it is over because I would love to see it keep going but I think the way that it the the way that it found to end like because this was my big question once I started Extinction was where does it stop well okay but not just where does it stop but how does it stop oh I gotcha like how do you take how do you take this story especially once you get into kind of the the time travel elements of it and how do you find a satisfying way to end that and it manages to find it um I kind of want to get into it, but I also kind of don't because I think it's worth just reading. Well, I, here's the thing. I, I know for a fact, like, this is going to have to, I'm going to set aside some time when I can really, I want to read this not just getting through it. Yeah. Right? Because this, specifically, the second half of Second Genesis and and this one uh-huh. are where my gaps in yeah. X-Men knowledge are. Well, and what's really cool about these, if you haven't checked them out, I'd have to look and see if they're in the collected editions. But in the single issues at the end of each issue it goes page by page and beat by beat and tells you what issue every beat comes from yeah yeah um i would imagine that's got to be in the collected yeah yeah and there were actually a couple of moments that were in this where so like like the senator kelly mutant registration stuff Uh when they got to that point it was senator kelly and senator stern and i'm i'm i have not read the source material for that but that is a story that gets told a lot in x-men adaptations it was in the animated series it's been yep. in the movies and i'm like the name senator stern sounded familiar to me but i'm like i don't remember anyone but kelly being a part of this and i hit those kind of of, of footnote pages those kind of citation pages at the end and was like senator stern was made up for iron man two or three i forget which uh he was made up for one of the iron man movies he's from that but he fits in here and makes it make more sense so here he is <laughs> that's why you've never heard of him before. yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Because it takes the moment and makes it an attempt at assassinating, from being an attempt at assassinating Kelly to a successful assassination of Stern. There you go. Yeah. Um, so it's, it. I, I think this probably became sort of, sort of almost scope creep probably for the series, but it goes from being just the first, what, 250 issues of X-Men to that, plus all these other kind of cultural, you know, touchstones for X-Men and seeming them all together. Um, it's so, so good. And yeah, it definitely is something that I recommend taking your time to read yeah uh, i i started rereading or started reading the stuff i hadn't yet before wednesday just so i knew i'd have time to to actually digest it as i went yeah very cool yeah i would not be averse to other and like we've talked about this before i know it won't be ed pisker because yeah. x-men was his thing but i would not be averse to someone else doing something similar for another franchise in marvel yeah i mean i don't know i started to say like to me the one i would want is spider-man but that i one, that one would make a lot of sense i don't know that what chips darsky is doing in spider-man life story isn't in a way a cleaner way to do that here's the thing it's the a, thing with spider-man although it's got spider-man himself has a lot of complicated history yeah it's still just spider-man yeah. for the most part right part of what made the mutants corner of marvel so convoluted is that there's so many characters so many 
mini pieces in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's, I think, the thing this does well. There are definitely points, especially in Extinction, where, like, you don't get super, super deep explanations of some of the newer characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of left to piece some things together through context. But, in general, it's very clean. I w- you know what it, this this would be an interesting thing would be I would almost like to see if somebody was going to do something else somebody do like a history of the a history of the alien empires of the Marvel universe like the Kree the Scroll and the Shi'ar and like where they have all fit in because you could pull in so many different that's another one where they've just been shown up in so many different places yeah right that it would be nice to have something that shows you yeah anyway yeah i'm trying to think who would even make sense to do that al ewing maybe yeah yeah all right is it still good action comics number 1012 uh that still sounds so odd to hear yeah it feels weird to say like that started to come out of my mouth like number 1012 number 1012 which one's gonna sound weirder (laughs) you know what it reminds me of it reminds me in the uh in the 90s when like news programs and other shows started giving web addresses and they sounded so stilted saying them so visit us at the www dot boy like it just sounded so stilted and odd when they tried to say it people who still say backslash when they give urls (laughs) there you go even though that's not a backslash that's a forward slash Anyway, so yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, 1012. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. It stalled for time for me to remember what happens in this one. Spoiler alert, it did not stall enough. Oh, this is Rosenthorpe. Oh. Yeah. Oh, can't wait to get to it. Um, The the new reporter at the Daily Planet, Miss Good, uh-huh. gets a call from a woman named Rose. Oh. <sighs> About the Metropolis police looking the other way whenever her counterpart, Thorn, beats up criminals. <laughs> okay. Batman Beyond, number 33. Uh, we finally learn the identity of the villain who has swapped place with Bruce Wayne. False face. Ah, okay. Dial H for hero, number four, Brian. <laughs> um... Mm, let's see. Uh Saka McGee. Saka McGee. Yeah. Um our our hero takes a trip through the funny papers. The Flash number 73, Ack. Brian. Ack. Um I I think I liked Iris in this better than anybody else. Um yeah. this is this story is so odd to me in that it is so not what I would even remotely picture for a year one series. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. I mean it's not bad by any stretch. It's just not what you think of as a year one. No. Um It's almost like a week is, one. Yeah. Um this is very um basically investigating and starting to to figure out what the longer term plans of the turtle are. Eve Stranger number two. Eve gets a jetpack. Okay. Age of X Men. The Extremists number five. Brian. Um. The Extremists raise a little hell. <laughs> the Amazing Spider Man number twenty. Oh my God! I just figured out that what this week's comic theme is. Rules are optional. The Amazing Spider-Man, number 24. Peter learns what to call his new bandaged nemesis. Okay. Black Panther, number 13. Uh, Black Panther phone home. Doctor Strange, number 15. Brian? Um, 
Galactus gets a case of demonic heartburn. Fantastic Four, number 11, Franklin and Valeria have to take their driving test. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, number 8, the Ruber is still the best character introduced in Spider-Man in recent memory. Magnificent Miss Marvel, number 4, Kamala is Luke Skywalker. Okay. Mr. and Mrs. X, number 12, Brian? Um, Remy figures out exactly who he is, and I can't complain about how they wrap this up runaways number 22 um come on there's got to be a pun somewhere in this doesn't sound incredibly dirty <laughs> right because we wouldn't want to do that on this show. well they are children oh yeah that's fair that's fair um, are, well some of them are some of them are really not anymore <laughs> well and that is one of the central conflicts in this issue yeah well there you go uh victor finds somebody to love <laughs> There it is. Find me somebody to love. Thanos number three. Gamora's gonna need that guy's arm. (laughs) I haven't read it, but that was brilliant. Um, this is legitimately the issue where, like, okay, now I see why Thanos and Gamora ever got along. Okay. There is a moment in this that is just three panels of Thanos laughing his ass off. And it is so good, and I went to high-five Teeny Howard for it. Beautiful. Cool. September 2019 solicitations. Boom! Someone is killing the children, number one. Uh, This is on both our lists. Oh, was it? Yes, it was. Uh, This is on both our lists. James Tynan. Yes, yeah. writing a five-issue creator-owned book. This is his first creator-owned work since The Woods wrapped up. Yeah, so basically uh, the general gist of this is a bunch of kids disappear. Some of them come back and tell these like horrifying tales of these creatures that were in the dark. And kind of the only person they find that can deal, that, that might be able to help them is a mysterious stranger named e, uh, Erica Slaughter. And it sounds both creepy and cool at the same yeah. time like there's yeah. an almost like pied piper vibe yeah to the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. description yeah um and this is a five issue miniseries yes yeah uh this month i can safely say that i put everything in my solicitations specifically <laughs> from dark horse comics everything number one did <laughs> you, you did go. you see this one brian i actually did and i'll be honest i i, I don't i'm i'm not 100 percent sure why i didn't add it to my list but yeah uh everything is a department store that sells everything yeah um and also like hellfire and psychic disturbances and that sort of stuff starts to take over the town that it's in and maybe there's a connection oh no it couldn't be that yeah shocking um i don't know this creative team it mentions here that the writer is from halt and catch fire co-creator of that show on amc which i have heard good things about but have never seen because i am almost as bad at tv as i am at movies it turns out Uh, also from Dark Horse, Steeple number one, which I have never gotten around to reading Giant Days. I have never heard anything but, like, high praise for Giant Days, and no people have been very upset about it ending. This is the author of Giant Days doing his next book. It's a five-issue miniseries about, uh, two women with different worldviews becoming, like, friends or at least allies in a war against good and evil and... 
and all of that or a war between good and evil and all of that it sounds like fun um so i am i'm excited for that all right i'm just gonna go ahead and set my phone down now because i know we're gonna spend a minute on this next one oh wait i'm not looking at the right list no we've got a couple before we get to that one brian yeah lex luthor and the riddler year of the villain one shots uh yeah so uh these are obviously tie-ins um honestly the the big i mean they're 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 tie-ins with a big year of the villain thing for dc we've talked about some i'm probably gonna take a look at them anyway right but specifically um the uh the lex luthor one is being written by jason latour Uh uh-huh with art by brian hitch and i'm like really okay now you're interested and then the riddler is being written by mark russell yeah yeah and like you know how everybody knows it if they listen to this podcast knows how we feel about mark russell we love him so like yeah i'm totally getting both of those (laughs) harley quinn and poison ivy number one yeah, I was telling you before the show. How has like how has someone not already done this this series, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy? Um, and now it turns out that Jody Hauser is doing it, and I want it. I mean, there was a Gotham City Sirens series that was the two yeah, of them and Catwoman, right? But, but like, I mean, specifically just Harley and Ivy. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, how often are you going to be humming the Harley and the Ivy while you read this? Um, in my head, yeah, constantly. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Now for the thing that is the reason why I know I need to just set my phone down for a minute. Yeah. Harleen. 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 Um. Yeah. Like, I if you if I could have like wished for if you said you know what we're gonna give you a a Harley themed book of some sort what would you want it to be and who would you want to uh, to draw and write it this is exactly what I would pick it is Harleen it is about uh, her dis- Harleen Quinzel before and kind of as I guess she yeah. becomes it's about her transformation into yeah, right. Harley Quinn and it is both written and drawn by Stepan Shayek. Yes, it is. And it is, like, just looking at the cover of this, it is like, it is like a Harley Quinn face as, like, a fan of the opera-type mask, so, like, the top eye is kind of cracked off. Yeah. And you see Harleen under, you know, her eye underneath it. It is stunningly gorgeous and, like, just grips you when you see it. Yeah. This is the long tease black label book that he is doing for DC. I want want everything about this book everything about it i want it yes and i'm gonna get it <laughs> how many copies of each issue are you gonna get uh, all of them <laughs> i don't know <laughs> depends yeah. on how many variants they release that, that, that one so, so i will get two copies of each because they're both being done both the, the cover and the and the variant cover are being done by step on shade yeah yeah Legion of Superheroes Millennium Number One. Oh, this or is, as we or as we say, one of Alex's called shots. <laughs> hell yeah! I appreciate your saying it, so I didn't have to. Yeah. Uh, this is the first of a two-part kind of mini-event pair of books yeah. that will reintroduce the Legion of Superheroes, who now patrol mm-hmm. the 32nd century. Um, and I could not be more excited. I like when Bendis was when when it was announced that Bendis was moving to DC. Like the first first thing that came to me as this needs to be the property he works on was legion i 
do Legion. not I do not think there is and like I'm loving his Superman stuff right now mm-hmm. um, and actually there was an interview last week or week before where it was mentioned like even his work on Superman has been like he has been doing that with an eye toward setting up what's coming in Legion like that <sighs> this was a first step in being able to do what he wanted there yeah and I almost get the impression this is going to be a kickoff for some kind of Legion series oh it is that's been it's been announced there will be yeah. a Legion series he will be writing okay yeah. okay um I um, believe because this is specifically like you said a two-part that yeah. basically go because it's not just Legion in this no so it's Batman Beyond and Commandy and this is about a new character who is yeah. basically traveling through all of these DC future timelines mm-hmm. and what this two-part book really is doing is like kind of sewing them together into sort of a continuous narrative like showing and, how they relate to and are parts of each other and yeah. it is setting and, up an ongoing from Bindus and I believe Ryan Sook is the artist and, and specifically how they are all connected post um, Rebirth yes right? yeah yeah. Um, which is obviously a question you have you and I have had since Rebirth because yeah. we keep asking about the future and the past well right? and we even talked about at the beginning of Rebirth like how they have started making very specific and intentional connections between current continuity and things changing actively in batman beyond yes um even in this week's issue they were talking about prometheum which is something that snyder has introduced in batman and in justice league um there is actually a theory going back to kind of the the relationship to bendis's superman and then i'll move on Mm -hmm. um there is a theory going around based on this and some solicitation text for uh, probably action because that's usually where john has been showing up that the entire reason for aging john is to set him up as being the connection between the present day and and the legion oh that would be super super cool yeah so that instead of in that way that and if you if you go back into doomsday clock and think about how that last issue talks about changing when superman changing superman's timeline affects all of the other points in time that follow right now that he has this kid if we're getting a legion sort of rebirth origin it would make sense that the kid is the one who they well it would because it was i mean the legion the foundation of the legion was always superboy and his legacy yeah right yeah so yeah maybe some of these pieces are finally starting to fit together oh my god yeah what three years later now yeah um i mean three years in terms of rebirth but really truly some of these questions have been around oh, since no, you're right yeah, yeah yeah so what nine years yeah <laughs> or eight years something like that eight years uh almost exactly actually yeah um deceased a good day to die this is a uh, this is a one shot, obviously in that deceased universe, yeah. um, written by Tom Taylor. And you know, part of it is that it's Tom Taylor writing it. Part of it is that just the description of it is Mister Terrific putting together a group of other surviving heroes mm-hmm. that are Mister Miracle, Big Barda, John Constantine, Blue Beetle, and Booster Gold. Yeah. yeah. Did you read the interview with Tom Taylor about this? I did not. Um, I think this was on Comic Book Resources, but you know, he took he he took the DC 
a gig. He's like, this is cool. This will be a six issue thing. It'll be just a fun thing to write. And then he got into it and he's like, I could write this world forever. There's so much. There's <laughs> so much I can do here. And so many notes and so many ideas just wound up cut. And finally, his editor is like, take your favorites and add a one shot. That's beautiful. You know what? Because you know what that, re- that universe reminds me of? It almost reminds me of like the Injustice universe. Well, there's a there's probably more than one reason for that because who wrote most of Injustice? Right. No, I get that. But that's my point is taking this alternate. But like, because when he does, when, when he writes these alternate type universe things, yeah. it's very clear that he has an idea of how that whole universe works, yeah. not just a story in it. Well, and that is the genesis of this specifically, because this team, this idea of pulling this team together is specifically, okay, who are the characters who are most likely to be able to fix it? And that's uh, this roster for him. Yeah, potentially. Not to mention, I'll be honest, like, if you tell me you're going to put a group together that has John Constantine and Booster Gold in it, I want to read how that works. Well, yes. (laughs) Absolutely also that. Yeah, (laughs) because come on. All right. You know, at some point, John Constantine is going to pull a dime out of his ear just to shut him up. (laughs) All right, Brian. Yeah. Flash forward number one. Yeah, uh, this was one that, I'll be honest, I toyed with because I'm not super happy about how they left Wally West in Heroes in Crisis. No. Um, But he's, I mean, but he's been a character that's been part of my comic reading for so, so long that I've loved that I feel like I got I gotta read this to see what they're gonna do with him next. Yeah. Yeah. And this is specifically Wally West going through and figuring out who he is now and almost like, they describe it almost as fighting back against the universe that's trying to destroy him. Yeah. Yeah. Inferior 5 number 1. Oh my god. This sounds like fun. This sounds like old Keith Giffen Justice League is what it sounds like. Well, and part of what's cool about this is this is Giffen and Lemire with Giffen drawing the main story and Lemire drawing the backup. (sighs) And them co-writing both. Yeah. Um, and the Inferior Five has always been a bit goofy. And, like, it's, at like, Peacemaker, I think, is on the cover of this first one. Like, it's just going to be a, 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 I think, a good old style. This is what Keith Giffen, in my opinion, does yeah. best. So There is, and I think as soon as I say this, if you've read it, and you have, Brian, so I think you'll get it. There is a vibe that this solicitation text gives me mm-hmm. that really, really makes me think there is a chance that this lives in kind of a next wave agents of hate space yeah where it's it's kind of that it, it technically is part of continuity but you don't really know how well and just that kind of like there is a kind of goofy over-the-top self-parody oh yeah 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 that i think i think there is a chance that this kind of could be in that next wave vein and if it is that i will be oh just the happiest well i mean that's essentially what giffen's justice league kind of was yeah yeah uh, Red Sonia Vampirella number one. Uh, this is interesting. This is a an ongoing that is Red Sonia and Vampirella. Uh huh. And I'll be honest, six months ago, I never would have even probably looked at this. Nope. But the fact that Mark Russell is writing Red Sonia, so I'm reading it, and um, Christopher Priest, Christopher Priest is starting up Vampirella, so I will be reading it. Um, and then um, uh, Jordy Belair is writing. Jordy this. Belair is 
the one writing this one. So I'm like, well, shit, now I got to give it a try <laughs> now that I'm reading both of the single characters and now they're putting them together. I, I, and I love the writer, so I guess I'll be trying this. Yeah, I mean, 100% same. Just yeah. name drop Jeremy Whitley's Vampirella run in there too. And Yeah, right. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Sure. And yeah, we that are... was brilliant. That little three issue or four issue was brilliant. I loved it. We are on the same page. Ugh. Guess what's... Oh, uh, actually that one's on. I've got two different sets of notes here as always and I keep looking at mine and then back to the actual show notes. Uh-huh. Uh, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. His name is Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. <laughs> so two things about this. One, this is basically an oversized hardcover of the the miniseries that just ran. Um, yes. Which we both, which was Kieran Gillen and we both loved it. Again, there's no way this is not on our best of 2019s. Oh yeah, absolutely. If this uh, doesn't that... make our list, then comics mm-hmm. have gotten too good. <laughs> And and specifically, it's the last two sentences of the um, like, like I think the last song? two sentences of the solicitation probably could could have and maybe should have been my quote of the week, which we've never had from solicitations yeah. before. But you know, it's Kieran Gillen teams up with a powerhouse artist Casper Wingard uh, as he returns to the superhero genre with a dark, humorous, and relentless love song to this genre. Well, love song in a Leonard Cohen love song kind of way. Peter Cannon Thunderbolt saving a world he hates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And- it's a yeah. cold and broken Peter Cannon. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. So if you did not pick up the the floppies for this, you deserve to go pick up this oversized hardcover because it is wonderful. Do yourself a kindness. Yes. All right, Brian. Treat yourself. Yes. yes. Fair Lady Volume One Trade Paperback. Oh, image. yeah. Again, yeah. This is just uh, Jen and I have been talking about every issue of this, and I know Alex, you're going to pick this up. I am. Um, and yeah, again, treat yourself. This is a great, great little series. This is going to be number one to five. So if you're waiting for trade, it will be out in September. November, book one, hardcover. Yeah, November and September. I love it. Um, yeah. Well, November, <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they probably the, won't come out monthly. I was going to say November and September, then October, then November. But that's probably not how this will work. Yeah, these not. are hardcovers. Oh, yeah, but I mean, I, this is there's two very simple reasons why I have interest in this book, and they're probably the same reasons when you do matt fraction and, and elsa chardier matt fraction's writing and elsa chardier is doing the uh art is doing the art yes. so hey hmm sounds like something i would like to get if you look up <laughs> no brainer in the dictionary it will say reading this book <laughs> yeah like the only book that this appeals to probably more than me is alex <laughs> yeah. yeah yep I say as I look up at my Elsa Shorty A commission hanging on my wall. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Finally returning at Image. Pretty Deadly is back with Pretty Deadly, the rat number one. Yeah, this is, this is, and I give all props for this to Jen for making me read uh, the Pretty Deadly trade mm-hmm. for uh, for one of our live shows. Um, but yeah, Kelly Sue DeConnick is back doing a new um, a new story within the Pretty Deadly universe, which is like an old, old West style uh you've only thing. read the first trade haven't you i have um i will be which i will be picking up and reading the second trade before this So, as a point of information each trade changes time period each okay. arc changes time period so they're not all old west oh interesting yeah. i believe this one is like 20s paris maybe oh um uh, let me get to that solicitation text i might be thinking uh, of something on. else uh, Oh, Hollywood golden, era. Golden area of this Hollywood. one is Hollywood era. 
Oh, yeah. well, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I, mm, I, I love the first one so much, yeah. though. I can't, I can't wait. This is going to be great. Absolutely. Um, if you like, use a comic shop that actually uses Diamond's ordering system by ID number. This uh-huh. one has a new ID code, so get them to update that for you. Don't just assume that it's already been ordered. Okay. Because they're relaunching as a number one instead of like number eleven or whatever, the code changes. So like, I know that the shop i used to use in dalton for example i would they would actually go into the computer system and say this code for this customer and it would just automatically order on that code whenever something gotcha came in. oh right you're saying as far as like a yeah. a pull a subscript uh, a series pull list right yeah. yeah yeah right i know what you're saying yeah, yeah this the series has a new id yeah. number right yeah so yeah, instead yeah. of being whatever date it had before whatever code the series was solicited under before it's solicited under a new code okay yeah good information sir. um that was a psa that kelly Sudakonic tweeted out earlier this week, and I am simply repeating. Passing along. Excellent. Over at Marvel. Oh, boy. Spider-Man. But there's a lot going on at Marvel this month. Does whatever a spider can. Yeah. Now with more lens flare. (laughs) I was just about to say the same thing. We get on, on those on those big white eyes of Spider Man. We're gonna have to see lens flares because who's writing this one, Alex? J J Abrams and Son. Yes, and Henry Abrams. Yeah, this is a uh, this is gonna be a little five issue run. And you know, I, how can you not be interested in something that's five issues? It's Spider Man, and and J J Abrams is involved in writing it. Like you gotta at least pick it up and see what's going on, right? Well, I feel this way, and you feel feel this way. There is going to be a subset of both Star Wars and star trek fans that unite in disagreement with us but to them i say yeah (laughs) like i mean like or dislike the man raises i mean he's interesting you gotta see what's you gotta check it out i mean jj abrams gave us fringe so yeah i'm here there you go and also i like his star wars and star treks at least the ones i've seen i'm not up to date on the star trek anyway yeah uh hey you know what i'm super excited for i bet i do and this is one of those uh marvel teases a thing and i'm like okay well this is not for me and then marvel announces the creative team and i say oh well fuck this is for me <laughs> yeah because yeah, like like i can tell you there's two things about this that probably make you uh th- that pull you in instantly well one is the writer yes yeah which is teeny howard uh-huh you haven't even said what the what the series is i yet, haven't I already yet. Know, don't I, I haven't i was going to reverse engineer into into this one this is a team book with blade who i just don't really have any attachment to he has not been around much since i've been reading comics right he's fine i mean i've got nothing against play he's always interesting when i read yeah. him but it, yeah but i'm like with you i'm i'm not emotionally attached literally the only blade i have read has been in errands of injuries mm-hmm. angela who i didn't read her solo book and i regret that but usually kind of in other books she's shown up in has been fine yep winter soldier like uh, it, it's, it's a lot of let's say angry characters winter soldier damon hellstrom monica rambo blade angela you get into a couple who are a little more my speed, Spider-Woman and Wiccan. Yep. But yeah, then I found out Teeny Howard was writing, and I said, well, fuck, mm-hmm. all of those are going to be great in her hands, uh-huh. and everything I've read of hers is good, so... Hey, and Alex, yeah? you know Monica Rambeau? You know she led the Avengers once, right? Yes. <laughs> that was just for you, sir. Yeah. Um... 
I appreciate that so much. Hey, if you didn't get that, you haven't read Next Wave Agents of Hate. And go Correct, do that. And you should go do that. Do yourself that kindness as well. Uh, so yeah, Strike Force. Honestly, I don't know why this team's getting together. I saw Teeny Howard and was like, well, I've got to read it now. Yeah. Um, a threat is secretly taking over the planet, and the more people who know about it, the more powerful the threat becomes. Which is interesting. So yeah, uh, you got me again, Marvel. Yep. All they got to do is uh, put put the right writer on it and you'll get our interest yeah. or at the very least make sure there's an art germ variant for number one and i'll try it <laughs> well i mean there's other ways to get our interest too we have ways of making you read yeah that's going to be coming up here in a couple of uh <laughs> yeah. yeah uh hey did you get that big art germ poster book that dc put out last week you're actually asking me that just making sure you got one <laughs> hell yes i got one cool. um we have a one shot here on the list and i think this is probably the real reason why jen is not here this week i think she found out that this was solicited i knew there was no way we would not bring up this book this book is crazy crazy number one crazy number one obnoxio the clown is back <laughs> yep i feel she like we're talking about a clown book <laughs> i feel like very early on in panelology either you or mike brought up obnoxio the clown i think mike might have yeah it seems like a mike poll yeah we need to make I've... sure he knows this book is coming absolutely yeah i've got i've got there's a very there's a really old x-men versus obnoxio the clown that i've got that just yeah i mean i honestly oh. know nothing about obnoxio the clown jerry duggan's name is on this and yeah, yeah. it's a one shot and uh in in what is apparently a good month for solicitation copy obnoxia the clown is back and so is one of marvel's most hilarious titles thanks to a momentary lapse in sanity on the part of a few overworked editors <laughs> and a gang of writers and artists ready to take advantage of it yep no comic book event is sacred <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know what I'm very excited for as well? What's that? Web of Black Widow number one. Yeah. Jody Hauser writing Black Widow. Jody Hauser writing Black Widow in a little five-issue tight arc. I can't wait. Yeah. Black Widow year one. Indeed. Yeah, Black Widow. Yeah, as if that's not enough. Yeah, it's Black Widow year one, yeah. which super, super excited. I, I would love a, a good history of her like that. Yeah. yeah. King Thor number one coming up. I don't mm-hmm. know that we need to explain any more about King no. Thor than we already have. I think we covered it enough in the War of the Realm stuff. Yes. Um, I will say that reading this, I'm pretty sure that if you remember, I think it was Thor number seven. It was one of the couple of issues that Christian Ward drew that kind of sets up this Loki with the Necro Sword in the far future. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that this is finishing that story. Yes, I think you are correct. Yeah, yeah where he where he took the sword from uh, uh, the planet. Yeah, from Ego, right? Yeah, the dying Ego or whatever it was. Yeah, Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda number one. It's a book with Gorilla Man in it. I'm reading it. <laughs> You're not right, and that's part. I'm I'll not honest, right. Part of it is the Agents of Wakanda have been in Avengers for a few issues yeah. and it was enough to pique my interest to see what this series is going to be like yeah, yeah. and it mentions Wasp is on the team too this is this is Janet right this definitely means Janet I think yeah I think this is because she's the one that's been in the Avengers recently yeah. right like she went to rescue Blade and yeah yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, it's got to be her. Yeah. Uh, ghost Spider Annual number one. Vita Ayala's writing some Ghost Spider, and I am here for it. 
yeah, like how like it's Ghost Spider, so I'm getting it. But oh wait, Vidal is right now. Now I just can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've also got the Wolverine annual on your list. I do. Um, mostly, and that it, this one was one that probably would have been a, a coin flip for me until I see that Jody Hauser's writing it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, that tips it to that side. Yeah, I'll be picking this up. And these are both part of this Acts of Evil like series of annuals that starts yeah. next week. I will clarify that more in a minute when we talk about next week's books. Ha. Huh. Okay. Alpha Flight, that. True North, A, number one. <laughs> it's Jim Zub and Ed Brisson and Jed McKay writing an Alpha Flight one-shot. All right. I am I am down with this. I do have to say, I see a glaring omission. Okay. I see a glaring omission in the stable of Canadian writers and artists attached to this book. Okay. Where's my Chips Darsky? <laughs> I don't, you know what, I, I don't, like, I. The, the world might actually explode if you added him to that already roster of, of writers. That's true, but you know what, it's 2019, I'll run the risk. <laughs> nice. No, I'm very excited for this, yeah. and I joke about missing Chip in it, but it is an excellent team, and everyone knows how I feel about Jim Zub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, you get, if you don't, he is very good, and his stuff is very good, and read more. Indeed. New Mutants, War Children number one. Hey, you mentioned New Mutants earlier and your love of mention, it. I did mention them. And um, yeah, as if that wasn't, a, it's being re- actually written by Chris Claremont. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if that's not enough of a draw of it, hey, guess who's doing the art? It's Bill Sienkiewicz. Yeah. 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 So like, that's kind of another no brainer. Like you're going to pick this up, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, it's, and it's a one shot. You're not committing to anything long. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, is it a one shot? I thought it was like a miniseries. Nope, this is a one shot. Oh, cool. And last one for Marvel. Mm-hmm. I am going to take credit for our secreting this into existence as well. Yeah, Black Bolt hardcover. Hard. Yeah, for mostly Black just because I, I I knew you were going to have to buy the hardcover, so I was like, sure, I'll throw it on the list. Why yeah. not? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's Saladin Ahmed's Black Bolt Run in one big hardcover. It's such a good book. It's so, so, so good. This is another, this is another treat yourself. Yes. Uh, do yourself a kindness thing. Yeah, absolutely. Plot. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brian. No, go ahead. I was going to move on to the next thing. So. Oh, I was going to say, so uh, the one, one more that I almost forgot to mention. Like, I got so excited talking about the series itself of Poison Ivy and Harley. Yeah. Written by Jody Hauser. I forgot to mention. There's not one, but two different different art germ cover variants for that book. <laughs> are you kidding me? No, they are serious. Yeah, they are serious. You can have Seriously to want dip. me to buy everything about it. Yeah. All right. Finally, Vault. Two books. Oh, right. Yeah. Plot number one from Michael Morisi and Tim Daniel mm-hmm. uh, with art by Josh Hickson. At this point, if Michael Morisi's writing it and Vault's putting it out, like that's too duh. I'm going to read this on top of each other. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's specifically about a guy who his, his like, I don't know if it's his brother or sister died, but basically he becomes the guardian for his niece and nephew yeah. and moves into the old family house. That's kind of on a creepy swamp yeah. type place. This yeah. is, I believe, I think this is the book that this is true of. Uh, Vault is doing like every fall launching horror titles now. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And I think this is the beginning of that, that push. Yeah. All right. And you have relics of youth that you wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah, this one sounded this one sounded kind of interesting too. It's uh, Matt Nicholas uh, and Chad Redman writing. But specifically, it's about a group of teenagers who share this like, dr- have the, like this vision of like this, like 
this place that doesn't exist on any maps or anywhere that they are like feel drawn to. Brigadoon. And what's that? Brigadoon. Kind of. Yeah, right? But then um six of them wake up one morning with a tattoo on their on them that only they can see. So like that just like fuels this even more and they are now convinced that they have to get there. And it kind of gives me almost like, you know, this kind of, like I don't know, you said Brigadoon or this uh um uh, oh god, what was the uh, uh sensate type thing? Oh yeah. Where there are these disparate people around the world who get this instant connection kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I so it just sounded interesting enough that I want to pick it up and see what it's about. Yeah, this sounds really cool. Yeah. Next week's books to read there. Next week's books to read. Woohoo. Uh I mentioned the acts of evil one shots. Starting next week, we have Miss Marvel Annual Number One, uh-huh. in which Miss Marvel fights the Super Scroll, written by Magdalene Visaggio. <laughs> oh, beautiful! Yeah. Uh, you have mentioned Arrow already. A E R O, not A A, not A R R O W. Correct. Yeah, this is one of the new. Uh, this is one of the new um, uh, characters that was in Agents of Atlas. Yes. And uh, yeah, and, hey, guess what? There's an Argem variant for this too. <laughs> I actually knew that. I'll be honest. Oh. I was debating picking this one up and then i saw well it's a number one and there's an art germ variant i might as well yeah yeah uh superman up in the sky number one is out next week oh I'm, i don't know how i missed that yeah. yeah this is the tom king superman book that yep. had been published originally in the walmart exclusive dc giant size uh books, books. Yep. which for the record i think were actually really really great collections if you were getting into comics especially um i think they were really well curated but they got expensive to follow and could be hard to find and yeah i'll be honest just the, i mean you know walmart's not exactly the um uh the hot spot for comic activity no. and it was super hit or miss whether you could even find them at a target i mean at a walmart yeah i mean um, i i kept up with these for about eight months and when they started adding more and it turned into an extra 30 dollars a month yep too much it was a lot yep. um because each one was like 12 pages of story. So this is taking just the new content from each and putting them in their own books. We'll get the others as well. Um, but yeah, this is... I've read the beginning of this, um, and it's a lot of fun. So I am I'm excited to finally kind of get to read this in a more traditional, more accessible format. Me too. Brian, mm-hmm. Doom Patrol, Weight of the Worlds, number one. A book that was going to be on my list, but was on your list, so I found something else. <laughs> I'm just excited excited about uh about doom patrol being back me too uh, in a new in a new line um yeah I, I i like most of the young animal stuff and the new doom patrol was was uh interesting and i and i enjoyed it so i'm looking forward to more I've, now that it's back i have not read it yet obviously but i have seen some advanced reviews of it and they are very positive cool yeah all right speaking of doom patrol which is on mm-hmm. dc universe tim and i are going to talk about swamp thing now They sit in the swamp and talk TV, it's branching out with Tim and me. Hey, Tim. Hey, Alex. How's it going? Fantastic. We watched more Swamp Thing. We did watch more Swamp Thing. And Doom Patrol, but and that's for later. It is. It is. So, <laughs> how many wriggling vines do you give episode four? Five wriggling vines. A full five wriggling vines. A full five. This was a solid episode. It was. As uh, we were finishing up, you said you were going to go home and make some notes. Yeah. 
So um, what what were you uh, uh, so incensed about that you had to make notes? Oh, no, no, no. No, it was not incensed. It was quite the opposite. I guess incensed, incensed does have a negative connotation, it doesn't does. it? It does. It uh, does. Uh, energized by. Energized. That's a much better word. There we go. Um, it was listening to the way that Swamp Thing communicates as opposed to the way that Abby communicates. And it was, it, I just really enjoyed it. Abby, the scientist, versus Alec, who used to be a scientist, but now is so spiritual about everything. Thing I mean, in his I, swamp thing form. I feel like even as a scientist, even as a human scientist, he was still pretty. I don't know. Yeah, I'm he, gonna also wear my my uh, puka shell necklace and kick around this <laughs> hacky sack while I think he did, but nothing to this level. No, you know, it's like almost the the science is gone of of all of it that he's talking about. Um, I don't know if you want to recap the episode first, but basically, there's a, a what Abby calls a virus and what he refers to as a darkness. You know, and it's it's very much, you know, how does it get cured? Well, it gets given back to the swamp. It doesn't get cured. Yeah. You know, that that kind of mentality. I just really enjoyed it. I did too. So basically this episode um, takes us from sort of the premise of the first three, which is these people are getting sick. There is some sort of illness quote-unquote, that the CDC is here to investigate. That's what brings Abby to town. And this moves us into almost, almost like a procedural kind of vibe of, okay, now these new illnesses are coming out and we have to solve these as they arise because something is in this swamp and making people sick. Yep. This darkness is making people sick. Right. Um, both the specific darkness of this episode and a general, we'll call it malaise. Mm-hmm. A miasma. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's kind of an interesting shift, I think, because A, we get, I think, some heavier horror elements in this one. We than, definitely do. At least more consistently throughout the episode. But B, it also does make it feel like this is going to be a little more episodic than the first three have been. Uh, you talk about the the horror elements. I think I made a comment right off the bat because the, one of the sort of initial things we see is a guy shove his hand down a garbage disposal. Yeah. And it, it seemed very much like a like a horror movie type moment. Yeah. Because he's hallucinating a snake. Yep. And this comes after he repeatedly stabs and slashes his own arm to try to kill this non-existent snake. And that was part of it. You know, Abby Abby refers to it as a virus that's that's being passed around, and it clearly isn't, because as soon as one person scratches another person, they are no longer infected. Well, it is it's something that is being handed off. Yeah. I mean, it, it spreads like a virus, but there is only one. It does yes. not replicate. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just jumping from host to host. Yes. More a... More a dark parasite of sorts that presents everybody with i guess what would be their deepest fear yeah we have snake man yes we have uh delroy reliving the night as a 12 year old that someone broke into the bar and killed his mother yes yes um we see the sheriff hallucinate her son's death yes and abby do we want to go into abby's greatest fear yeah absolutely some shadowy man some shadowy man who is preceded by an eclipse uh who she had had nightmares about taking her away from her mother as a child Mm -hmm. and i assume we share the same belief about whom this man might be yes there is no doubt who this man is he has a slightly disfigured face you can sort of make that out and a gravelly voice Yes, this is Darth without Vader. question. Darth <laughs> without question, Darth Vader. Yeah. Oh no, this is definitely Anton, and Abby, this is. <laughs> I am your father. <laughs> 
This is, uh, it was, it was so close to animated Anton, and I'm absolutely, I just love it, and I, I hope we get to see more of him before the end of, oh, the show. Oh. Yeah. That makes me sad. But you know what the, the best part of this episode was? I feel like you're going to say anytime <laughs> you ask that question now or for the next six episodes, <laughs> I can answer the same way and be right. Yep, yep. Blue yep. Devil. Absolutely. It's this little, I guess, C-plot of Oko. <laughs> as far as to say of of the blue devil character and what he's got going on and i don't know why but i am absolutely obsessed with it can i can i ask you a question tim sure prior to watching this swamp thing series did you have any attachment to the blue devil none none i I had a passing knowledge of blue devil so your investment in the blue devil is out of some kind of self-hatred or masochism (laughs) wanting to be hurt because clearly if we see him as the actual blue devil it will be like the last shot of the last i know i know it's 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 how it's going to end for me but there's still hope just because swamp thing is canceled maybe maybe spinoff still happens maybe i mean i guess he could always show up on doom patrol oh let's hope let's hope he just makes his round between any dc shows or maybe we can get a swamp not a swamp thing a blue devil and detective chimp buddy comedy (laughs) oh detective chimp anything would be just amazing yeah uh we also see the Sunderlands in this episode decide to adopt a child. Yes, yes we do. And how very quickly Maria Sunderland forgets about her dead daughter when she meets (laughs) a new adoptive daughter. Yeah, uh, and you know Mr. Sunderland, I forget his first name Avery. Avery. Avery Avery Sunderland. He uh, is just so quick to to see something that can be manipulated with his wife in her reaction to this child being around. Yeah. Well he wanted more money at the end of the last episode so now he he is giving her a new daughter and saying that you know we really need to invest more in finding a cure i don't think the cdc's science is right yes which admittedly not so much a scientific answer here but let's just roll with it mm-hmm. um i don't think the cdc is possibly right i need more money here have this orphan whose family i'm gonna pay off to let us adopt her yep. uh now may i have more money to find <laughs> a cure to benefit our new daughter yeah you know classic avery classic avery and also what i would call i guess the beef i don't know what order these are in importance right now but the the jason woodrow stuff which well he 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 definitely has now what he needs to go on to his fate yes he uh he he got a piece of the thing yeah he did Uh, yeah uh, abby abby took a piece for of of swamp thing for study which he gave willingly it wasn't there was consent but he uh she decides that that woodrow being more of an expert in what she might be looking at which baffled her gives the piece to him for study and research so i i can't imagine it'll be six more episodes before he does whatever it is that he's gonna do no it cannot possibly no um i did i did kind of getting back into sort of his worldview like sort of his stinger to their scene together which is her saying look if if i trust you with this you have to come to me with whatever this is first i need to see all of it full non disclosure you can't take it to avery yada 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 to which he responds why would i share this with anyone yeah yeah it, or it, something it, along that sense yeah. 
people and knowledge. What I just I want to know. Yeah, it um it it sort of puts that that spin on him where he's not necessarily good or bad, just driven by knowledge, yeah. and that'll that'll result in him maybe either being good or bad. But he's not here to be used by Sunderland, even though he's probably going to be used by Sunderland. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I feel like that whole I'm just in it for me in the in the way he goes about it does probably lean him a little more toward evil than neutral just because there is that that implication of don't stand between us okay that's fair um because like the idea of doing harm doesn't exist to him right as long as he helps himself he can do no harm to others yes yes and i think that's where that's where the the like the consistency i like from last week to this week is Mm -hmm. but also the fact that he is definitely coded as villain because at the end of the day he has this bent to him sure i'd agree with that but not necessarily for the same you know like i i guess it is for the same like selfish reasons as sunderland but not the same type of selfish reasons if that makes sense right well and i mean i think you can take him as and maybe given given his fate as floronic man kind of obviously more as a foil even to alec who is also in this position of they've both worked for avery Mm -hmm. they're both coming from this place of scientific pursuit kind of for the sake of solving this mystery but one is doing it for at least implicitly altruistic reasons and one is doing it because it can benefit him sure agreed yeah which you could see definitely playing out that way as him taking a great great pride and credit in solving this mystery right as opposed to alec just getting some more satisfaction from helping the people but even that like the most alec gains out of it is he has already lost his reputation chasing this sure and he's still kind of i mean never mind also being turned into broccoli (laughs) um but prior to that he had already lost his reputation and was still kind of like believing in this thing for the sake of truth whereas the the argument the thing we hear from from woodrow is explicitly like the truth is not what matters to me about the knowledge is not what matters to me about you don't think it's the knowledge that matters to him i think the knowledge matters in as much as the knowledge benefits him okay the idea of shared knowledge knowledge and shared truth okay i agree i yeah. agree with that that's internal fair. purely internal locus of motivation as opposed to external absolutely absolutely what else on swamp thing it's a good show and it shouldn't have gotten canceled and also uh i believe i read an article this week stating that the rumor floating around on why it got canceled is that they're planning on making a movie with a completely different cast and not playing off of what they built here at all this doesn't work for me either as a plan or as a rumor doesn't work for me as a plan because like this is good why throw yeah. out the baby with the bathwater? agree but also the flash exists as a tv show and will exist as a movie ah. gotham existed as a tv show and Batman showed up in Batman v Superman and Justice League. This is true. Superman shows up regularly on Supergirl and shows up elsewhere. Like, this idea of there can be only one doesn't really track. No, that makes sense. I honestly hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. I sort of read the article and was just like, well, at least I'll get more Swamp Thing content. But I, I agree with you. Like, no, this is good. Why do we have to kill it for something different? I mean, honestly, the thing that I've seen speculated at or even you know, unnamed sources kind of point to that makes the most sense is just some of the higher ups especially like outside of dc and inside of what is it time warner that just Mm -hmm. bought don't like how gross it gets well that's absolutely ridiculous yeah but 
as far as believable reasons that aren't funding well, yeah. happen to go. Of course, the flip side of that argument is, you know, if this continues to be well-reviewed, do they stand by the decision to cancel it? Uh, you'd have to think no. They were like, still shooting, and their sets were still up when they yeah. found out it was getting canceled, so... It would not make... <sighs> any logical reason and not that logic always dictates what people do but it doesn't make any logical no. reason to kill a successful thing because you don't like it especially not when you're trying to build this platform and this platform absolutely has absolutely. i mean doom patrol's been well reviewed titans i think has gotten mixed to positive mm-hmm. swamp thing is well reviewed like don't take one of the most stable, stable. Stable, yeah. <laughs> one of the most stable pieces of your nascent platform. Yeah, and gut it. Yeah, agreed. Still haven't found a good reason. All right, very quickly because we are close to time. How did you feel about the latest episode of Doom Patrol, episode three? So good. TV puppet pals. TV puppet. Jane is amazing. Jane and is I, so good. Yeah, yeah. Just it's fantastic show, and it just keeps getting better with each episode. Yeah. Uh, has this one been renewed? Yes. Oh, okay. All right, yes. good. Well, then, at least we've got that to look forward to. We do. And I believe Titans also has been... I don't know about Young Justice. I no, can't I imagine Young Justice wouldn't be, but who yeah, knows? Yeah, it seems like people fought too long for that, for it to go yeah. after one season. But Unless... Well, I mean, this is really, in a way, season three. So unless, like, this was just finishing out. It could Maybe. have been that. I just... Sure. I don't know. Um, all right, that's all I've got. You got anything else? No, that's it for me. Okay. Until next time, toodaloo. Hi. And Tim and I have just talked about Swap Thing. Cool. Yep. You have any thoughts or, on Swamp Thing you want to throw out there? Nope, not yet. I, I am I am actually saving up to to watch hopefully all of it at once. Ah, I think I'm gonna cool. do think I think I'm gonna do this one in trade. <laughs> Hey, I'll tell you this. The first three episodes uh-huh. form, like, a really solid arc together. Nice. So, like, if you wanted to dip oh, your so toe in. so I could in, do the first three you together. You like, the I'm first three. And okay. then uh, we just talked about the fourth. And it, it kind of, it's it's still very good. But it kind of, like, sets up some new ideas. So Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. That is going to do it for us this week. Wonderful. We would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. We are available wherever you listen to podcasts and on our website at panelologypodcast.com. If you want to help us out, you can do that by sharing us with other people, by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, or at patreon.com slash panelology if you are inclined to do the Patreon thing. If you want some panelology merch, bit.ly slash panelology merch capital p capital m uh if you want more of gin and me and brian once once <laughs> and tim and meg regularly occasional panelology guest hosts tim and meg you can listen to minds at yerk our bi-weekly animorphs reread podcast we are in the middle of the hork bajir chronicles right now and the latest episode i accidentally prepared for a ted talk for instead and it is me getting very academic hope you have fun with that <laughs> Academic Alex. <laughs> that face. That was beautiful, sir. Also, Panelology will be at Dragon Con again this year. Woohoo! They yeah, are still will. setting schedules, but I have given the okay to say we will be there. Yeah. Uh, we will give you more details about that as they emerge. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. Go read comics. Mm-hmm.